a lot of people around the world know that Jesus is a very special teacher, a person whose presence changed life on planet Earth forever. I happen to agree with that. In this installment of Psycho Pomp Stories, which is officially episode two of Saving Earth Saga, I tell you a bit of a different story about who Jesus was and add layers to the importance and the beauty of what he was doing than what we typically get told and say, for example, church. There is so much more to the story of Jesus. And in this installment and possibly also the next, I will be focusing on who he was and how important his presence on earth has been to destabilizing the Saturn, Satan, Moloch, Baal energy that I have been telling you about. I call this story the reality Jesus came to shift. Hello, my name is Katie Indy Crow. I am an earth-walking, soul-talking crow person. In other words, a psychopomp. This podcast is a collection of my best stories, earned whilst out on the road, taking care of the planet and guiding the souls who live here. Come on in. Here's some of my psychopomp stories. In the last installment of Psychopomp Stories, I introduced you to the idea that the planet Saturn had been used as a backdoor gate to our universe by a nefarious entity. And I told you about how that entity had used energy and a little bit about how it had used ceremony to terraform and take control of Earth. I also told you that our guy, Jesus, was basically creator sending the A-team here to planet Earth to help humans heal from the wounds and the misled teachings that had become commonplace as part of the path of healing that we all had to go on after this tragic event that happened in the Saturn phase lock of energy of Earth. This isn't something that was going to happen overnight. The patterns of culture, the patterns of social interaction, the patterns of economy that had developed during these times of Saturn and in places that this Saturnite energy, this Saturnite energy god, who is truly called Baal, Moloch, there's a lot of different names, Satan, Lucifer. We'll talk about the different iterations of this being in different episodes because what it truly is, is a sneaky, tricky being that works through fear and power to get humans to do things that are atrocities to humans and crimes against creation. And they use the energy that is generated in that crime against creation. So for example, human sacrifice as a way to leverage power to leverage open that little gate to maintain influence in this universe. And this is something that I'm going to talk about to you now, but most especially in an installment about the Borgias and Vlad Impaler. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. Before we get into that, though, I want to take some time today to talk about the world that Jesus was walking into and what really human civilization in that part of the planet had been for several thousand years before he made his great appearance. And that will help us to understand how revolutionary his teachings were. 
One of the things that is very clear when you look at the written historical record as well as the archaeological record is that there were societies who were closely worshipping Baal. So Baal is the god that this false Saturn deity came to be manifested as or recognized as in certain societies. And so who were the people that were into this? So for one thing, uh, Israel which is the home of where Jesus was. Judea was in Israel, had a king and a queen, for example, you might know them, Ahab and Jezebel, who had established the worship of Baal as the religion of the people. So this was in 871 BC. We also know that this was something that was happening in Syria. There are large-scale temples to Baal that were built. For a time, I told the story about one of those in my members community yesterday more about that soon um there were societies and cities like sodom and gomorrah so this is jordan 1650 bce sodom and gomorrah is known as a place that was extremely brutal where people ruled with things like rape and where the order of the day was chaos and destruction and so if you were able to leverage resources and power through your acts then you were the winner Those are the kinds of societies that some people actually still refer to as the Golden Age. They are also represented in examples such as what you can find in different religious texts. So I'm going to just go to Ezekiel, um, and this is 2026. Ezekiel says, And I pronounce them unclean because of their offerings to their idols, and that they made all their firstborn pass through the fire as pagan sacrifices so that I might make them desolate in order that they might know without any doubt that I am the Lord. Now that's an interpretation. You can read it a different way. Uh, And I polluted them in their own gifts and that they caused to pass through the fire all who openeth the womb, that I might make them desolate to the end that they might know that I am the Lord. What that means is that people were being passed through the fire, i.e. a.k.a. sacrificed. One of the things that you will find if you go back into the times of the Old Testament or the Old Hebrew Bible, which is what that was a quote from, there are artifacts, stories, representations of big pieces of iron. And they basically were fire pits. And in those fire pits, it was known that the firstborn children, sometimes of important people, but oftentimes just the firstborn children of anybody would be placed into those pits. And they would be burned alive as a ritual sacrifice to the god Baal. This is not something that gets talked about often, but it is something that was extremely regular part of society. Another way that we can confirm that, we can go to Numbers 25, verse 1 to 3. While Israel remained at Shittim, the people began to commit infidelity with the daughters of Moab. For they invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel became followers of Baal or Peor, and the Lord was angry with Israel. So another example of this happening in history, we can find in the Canaanites. We know the Canaanites practiced this type of an activity. They were associated more with Moloch, which is a different iteration of the same energy. I will continue making that point throughout. So the, this was Jordan, parts of Syria and Lebanon. We also know about Babylon. We know that Babylon was 2300 BC. That was near Iraq. So 
what I'm trying to say by laying out these little puzzle pieces is that we know through biblical scholar scholars, we know through archaeological records, and we know through the stories that have passed down through people, especially people who are students of Saturn, which is where I got a lot of this information from. We know that this particular energy, the false side of God behind Saturn, still had an incredible amount of influence and that that influence had consistently maintained itself from at least up until we know the time of Jesus, right? Because we're talking 2300 BC, we're talking 1650 BCE, we're talking 940 BCE. So it is not a stretch to say that when Jesus walked into the world, at least this part of the world, Judea, Israel, what he was confronted with was mass confusion, mass upheaval, because at the same time, the Roman Empire had just sweeped in, so things were changing. And there were people who were ready to be told the way. So here's where my Jesus story starts to veer off of what a lot of people will know um, or will have been told in church. That's where you get your information from. I know I did for a large part of my life, being raised in a Roman Catholic household. Um, Jesus has been known as a teacher to roam the world much longer than just this one little part of life that we know about through the Bible and the crucifixion. And there are traditions that maintain these stories throughout other parts of the world, so like India, for example. And so there is also information to support that Jesus actually had appeared in Judea in that part of the world, Israel, about 200 years before he arrived this second time. And that is why some people say he was so quickly believed and accepted as a great teacher and as a miracle worker. And it's because he had been there before. He had left evidence that he was going to come back. And then he came back and he knew the evidence and he did the thing. And that was enough for people to start believing that this guy had some godlike powers. He was able to live a really long time, or at least he was able to come and go between places, it seemed, by walking through time. And so when Jesus came on the scene, and when Jesus always comes on the scene, one of the primary teachings that he always offers is that human sacrifice is a no-no, as is violence over one another. And so violence over one another, we don't often talk about it in the church context because it's in church, but what he really means is, you know, no war. He also means no, no taking sexual power over other people, no forcing yourself on other people. It means being in harmony with your neighbor. And that neighbor also includes the earth. That's a teaching that got wiped out by the church. We'll talk about that in future installments. And if you've read Soul Compass, you probably have part of an understanding of why that happened. We know that Jesus always stood against human sacrifice. And why? Because human sacrifice, the murdering of another human, and in particular doing it in order to please a supposed God, is one of the worst crimes against this universe that you can commit. And why is that? Especially here on Earth, because we humans, we are made up of creator. When people tell you that you are part of God and that God is part of you, I 100% agree with that. And that's why when I teach my teachings, I teach people to align with source, their source self, and to get in alignment with creator because they have that in them. We all do. 
And so our souls are very valuable. Just like Earth is a powerful jewel and gem in the universe, like I told you about in the introduction in the last episode, our souls and our life as humans in this universe, and in particular as multiverse, are some of the most miraculous sights, experiences to behold and to have. And so why we as beings can be viewed as fuel or food to these other other beings like this false idol gods who use us is that when they can get a little piece of us, which is what happens when a person is ritually sacrificed, especially if they do it voluntarily, because some people do it on, on purpose, what they're doing is they're gaining a little tiny piece of creator, a little tiny piece of this universe. And so if you have people throughout all these different countries, so like Turkey, Syria, Jordan, Afghanistan, and then this was also happening over here in the Americas. I don't want to give people the wrong impression. I will talk about that more in the next installment. For this installment, we're talking about the crucifixion times. And in these times and spaces, this God still had a lot of power. And one of the reasons why is because so many people were continuing to do the sacrificial acts. So many people were continuing to do the invocations. And so many of the sacred sites of the world in that place had been powered up so much through these invocations and through these acts that it was still able to leverage a lot of control over people, a lot of control over how things went. And part of how Jesus knew and knows that we can get away from that is we stop feeding the beast. We stop committing atrocities. And human atrocity, number one, is sacrifice. Another one of the things about Jesus that I have to say is that one of the reasons why it was so important that Jesus came down to earth is that Jesus is a manifestation of creator in a, in a masculine body. Mary Magdalene, Jesus's partner, is a female version of creator in a body. And they together came to this part of the world, to the earth to offer their direct healing. There's a lot that you can do as a universe. There's a lot that you can do as a tree, as an animal. There's a lot that you can do as a river. However, there's also a lot more sometimes that you can do directly when you are in a human body. And so did creator make themselves vulnerable by putting themselves in bodies and, and being brave enough to come down here to earth to try to meet humans directly and teach them directly to reconnect to the spark? They did. And they did it because they loved humanity so much. And they knew that if humanity didn't get reconnected to this spark, if humanity wasn't reminded of this spark, that before too long, the entire civilization wouldn't have a lot of hope. And so together, and sometimes alone, mother and father creator traveled this planet. And so you will hear stories of them in different times and spaces. And subscribe to this podcast if you'd like to hear some of those stories. I will tell them in future times. For this story, when Jesus started teaching in Israel and when he started making the big moves that he started making, yes, he did alert the interest of different political figureheads. Yes, he did alert the interest of different people who were trying to seek ways to gain order and control over a rapidly changing society. But he also gained, unfortunately, the attention of this being, this false idol, Baal, Moloch's, whatever you want to call it, Satan entity that decided, hmm, 
I see the creator here has created mm -hmm, a little vulnerability for themselves. And I'm going to see what I can do to destroy, trap, hurt, maim, punish this creator for being so bold as to come down here and to try to take this back from me. And so the process that was leading up to the crucifixion began. As a young child in a Roman Catholic household, I spent a lot of time in church. And from a very young age, probably about four, I began my obsession with the crucifixion. And I would spend all of my church time looking at the tiles on the wall that represented the stations of the cross. And I would read them in the Bible, and I would read the story. And I was always very upset and confused about how the people who knew that Jesus was who he was, that they knew he was a God, he was God, that they didn't stand up for him, and that they didn't do what they had in their power to do to save him, and that instead of being strong together and standing against the evil entity, they allowed some form of evil to overcome them, so much so that they allowed for Jesus to be crucified. And it wasn't until I came to this Saturn Moloch Baal story that I really understood the answer of what happened there. You see, one of the things that Jesus was contending with in this moment, and one of the things that had been set up in this weird, crazy world order that happened that wasn't the order of creation, but the false one, is this kind of moment played out a little bit like a showdown. And in that showdown, if the people would have chosen Jesus, if the people would have stood for Jesus and risen with Jesus, we as humanity would have been able to fast forward the healing that we needed to do. We would have done a lot of steps of vexing the beast out of the human archetype um, that we are still working on because it would have been a moment where humanity chose creator. Would have been a moment where people chose love so you hear me talking about choosing love a lot in my other teachings. This is one of the reasons why. And so when this situation occurred, that love was not chosen, one of the reasons why I think it wasn't chosen that answers my question of life was that these people had been invoking this thing in their own religious ceremonies. Remember I said that the Baal worship and the Moloch worship was the religion of those people as well? If you've been invoking a God, if you've been sacrificing to a God, if you've been doing whatever in alignment with an energy, then in some ways you allow that, you bring that energy into your life. You're invoking that energy. And so if you're living your life in, to please this thing, then, okay, so what are you going to do when your number is called, as so many numbers were called in that moment? And this is a psychopomp thing. You have to be very careful about who you put your trust, faith, and belief in. You have to be very careful that you were not invoking or asking the favors of a being. Because a lot of the time what happens is that being is going to come and ask for something for you or that gains some form of mind or heart control over you. And in the case of the people who watched Jesus be crucified did nothing, I firmly believe that they were entranced by this entity, by this energy, and that they weren't strong enough to break it. And I still don't forgive them because, I mean... I've faced this energy and entity my whole life. I told you the story about when it came to get me when I was like 13 years old in my teenage story. I'm not unfamiliar with it, but I am familiar with 
what it takes to be strong enough to stand for a teacher. And those people, when they let Jesus be crucified, when they didn't stand for Jesus, what they basically did at that moment in time is they gave one to the other guys, at least for that part of the world. But lucky for all of us, Jesus didn't really die at the crucifixion. Now, Jesus continued on his teachings just as he had been teaching before Israel, and he went over to the Americas. And he was in places like Georgia and Mexico, Guatemala, and Canada. And I'm going to tell you more about that in the next installment. But in this installment, I do want to highlight just a few things that are going to come up in later tellings of this story about what happened to the planet and what we've been doing to heal it. When Jesus was crucified, that was really seriously, truly the worst moment for humanity, in my opinion. And as a person who lives in a Roman Catholic life or who did before I had to step away from the religion because it stopped making sense to me, one of the reasons it stopped making sense to me is that we venerate this time when Jesus was killed as he died for our sins and thus saved the world. No, 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 no. That is not what happened. He died because of people's sins. And we could have saved the world in that moment if we would have stood by him. But, you know, it is through his teachings and through adhering to the things that he was trying to teach us about love for one another, about love for the earth, about not putting people like him up as sacrifice for everybody else's happiness. That's the true way of us moving forward as a together group of people. When we are selecting someone like our greatest teacher and celebrating them getting killed, what are we really celebrating? Are we in some way being influenced still by this weird being in the churches? My answer is absolutely yes. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I'm a person who was also very pleasantly touched by religion. You know, the priest that I met and that was my priest when I was a kid was an amazing person. And other than Jesus and Mary, in this earth plane, I view him as my best teacher I ever had about what this was really all about. But as this crucifixion happened and as people started globbing on to the story of Jesus in the following few hundred years, yes, there were people who were doing it because I think they truly did understand the path out and they wanted to preserve that. And they knew that getting away from this human sacrifice stuff, getting away from all this murder, getting away from all this rape, although it did continue. <laughs> we know the Roman times weren't that great. We, we know that there was this path of progression that his life in that area did inspire. And I think that we're still inspired by it today. And I hope that in the next installment where I talk about how he came to the Americas and continued his anti-sacrifice, anti-cannibalism teachings, that I also help you to understand what I just talked about is happening in Afghanistan and Iraq and Jordan and Syria didn't just happen there. This being this entity was powerful and this was a full world thing pretty much. And that is one of the reasons why I do believe the Saturn phase lock theory that Electric Universe offers us. As I am going to continue telling you in future installments is that one of the reasons this false idol god was able to maintain its power is that it was worshipped widespread and there were constant invocations of it happening throughout the world. And they're still happening today. We just had a, a couple of global events where people were working to invoke this exact energy to a in the in the um, coronation and then b during this global 
or this the Satanist conference that they had here in America, you can trust that they were trying to open gates with that. And I felt it. At the same time, we have been having lots of progress in the planetary healing journey. And my job as a psychopomp a lot of the time is to make sure doors to this crap stays closed. And so you will continue hearing me tell stories later on about life actually going out there and doing it because this is an ongoing thing. One of the things I just did for my members community is I recorded a Psychopomp Stories Uncensored installment where I go into great detail about some of the more recent ceremonies of Saturn that have happened in the world. I give two examples and it's about a half hour episode where I go deep into the whys and the who is doing this still. If you would like to hear that installment, it's just a little too spicy right now for what I'd like to put out to the public. You can do so by joining my members community. It's a no pressure, no stress. You don't have to interact with me kind of a place where I just release some some material here and there that is exclusive to you that has to do with the stories that I'm telling. And I've designed it as a place where I can deliver uncensored information and little extras to people who are interested in this project, who like to learn more about these topics and who are keen to support me. I really appreciate those of you who are already there. Thank you so much. And now that we have the ball rolling with these extra materials, I'd love for more people to come. And I also welcome one-off support. Having said all of that, you can find it at buymeacoffee.com slash esotericearth. I also want to say thank you to all of the people who listen to this podcast, to all of the people who have shared this podcast, to other people who might like it, and to all of the people who come back week after week. If you're new here, I would love it if you would subscribe. I'm going to continue telling Jesus stories and other stories about esoteric earth. For now, I am going to sign off because I have to get out there and take care of the planet. The sunshine is calling and so is the water. My love goes out to you. Thanks for being here. My name is Katie Indycrow. I am a psychopomp and I am so grateful to be here telling you these stories. <laughs>